When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. We are loaded up today. Plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll check in with Mitch Sherman, some Oscar football, some Big Red baseball. Also, we'll hear from Kaz, Rick Kaczynski in hour two. Jacob Padilla with us. Get some thoughts from him on some of the Husker basketball official visits and maybe a smidgen of NBA. I'm mildly intrigued by some of these play-in games, specifically the Lakers and Warriors. Usually my uh, my NBA uh, radar doesn't uh, fly till till June. But this is kind of a cool tweak the NBA's got going. And uh, we'll take some thoughts from you. It'll be email today. Why will I not take your phone call? Because we can't take your phone call. Uh, Damon Barr is out of rum. Damon Barr came in with a claw hammer. I'm kidding on the rum and the hammer part. But something's uh, wacky. <laughs> we'll just say that. Something's wacky with the phone system and setup. So uh, we'll talk to our guests via Skype. But that hurts me that you can't call in and qualify today for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. So, Damon, jump in here. How are we going to fix this? Uh, when we talk about qualifying, are you going to take emailer number 10? Uh, Twitter message number five? Who knows? Like, we, we could do email. We could go on Twitter. It's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. So do you want to just send the, the tweets to, uh, to at ESPN Lincoln? Yeah, at ESPN Lincoln. Uh, when we get qualified, uh, send us, I guess, a direct message. Uh, All right. That's tough. To, DM, yeah. DM number. DM, DM us. DM number 10. 10 number nine let's do DM number nine dm number nine and uh, what you get qualified for for the friday giveaway is going to be the uh the grill from capital patio and the flame shop uh it is a phenomenal weber setup uh a gift card to campbell's nursery and garden center and the uh the meat for your grill a gift card to, to uh leon's gourmet grocer so we'll, we'll get you figured out here uh in an alternative fashion send us the word grill when you when you do you want to do that the okay word, the word grill that's your keyword grill name and contact right damon Barr solving problems one day at a time so you are graduated you're getting ready for law school how are you spending your days it's not been sunny or nice enough for you to be poolside no it hasn't I, i've been spending my days with cardboard boxes and you're still uh, dumpsters. Moving. Uh, our official move-in dates this weekend so finally getting all the the junk out of the house it's down to me and one other roommate that still lives there so have you thought about a garage sale 
Uh, we did think about that, and I hate garage sales. Decided I've against. Always it. hated garage sales. <laughs> I've hated garage sales as a kid, uh, making four bucks off of you know forty dollars you spent on baseball cards. Uh, but yeah, garage sale. And the thing that I hate about garage sales most, and I'm being sacrilegious here because there's really cool garage sales allegedly, but I hated them in my neighborhood, and I hated my neighbors throwing them, and we were a part of it. And it sucked because traffic was garbage. It's all about me. Whiny Tuesday, forgive me. But try and navigate through and there's this freak show garage sale. And then, no, the 10-speed bike is $10. I am not negotiating below that $10 mark. You don't like it? Go buy someone and go buy a bike somewhere else for $10. Anyway, I got a lot of cool hats as a kid. Did you? sales, yeah. Hats See, were my thing. I and got. I'm scarred about the garage sale, quite frankly, because that's where I got my original pair of Air Jordans that are now in my brother's possession. I sold to him. Still has them. They are in phenomenal shape. They are no longer my possession. Although that was one heck of a buy for like two bucks. <sighs> I sigh. So let's get into some things. Uh, so Nebraska, Oklahoma. On September 18th, will not be primetime ABC, right? Or, oh, good. (laughs) Let's keep that off of uh, eyeballs. But ABC and our friend Andy Kendi from uh, KETV uh, tweeted this out with uh, ABC. The, The setup is this for their schedule. So the college football schedule looks pretty tasty through the month of September. And that is Alabama v. Miami, the fourth. Georgia versus Clemson, the fourth. You have Notre Dame at Florida State, the fifth. And then on, on, on September 11th, Washington's going to be at Michigan. Auburn at Penn State. Uh, that is what I have. That is what is tweeted out. I assume that Ohio State and Oregon will be like big noon Fox because that's that's a that's a monster non-conference ball game that, that we're getting this year. We didn't get Ohio State at Oregon last year. So Nebraska and Oklahoma are supposed to be. They'll play the 18th, but if you're getting 6:30 Penn State Auburn. That means Nebraska, Oklahoma will be in the afternoon. Don't know if it's going to be a 2.30 regional, ABC. I doubt that it'd be regional. I think the the big noon kickoff is where Fox will want to go with that. And uh, you'll showcase it that way. And it'll be your, your, it'll be your college football game that afternoon. Uh, and there, there's a lot of pretty good games scheduled that day. But Nebraska, Oklahoma will no doubt stop and pause and there's no game day likely maybe they'll be in norman i don't know what they'll do if they don't have the if they don't have the kickoff a lot of times they they end up doing game day where they'll have the game so that's where we're at for nebraska doesn't look like oklahoma nebraska will be a night game um more likely a a a Fox Noon kickoff, that is all right. More news on Nebraska football with FPI, Football Power Index. So Nebraska weighs in in the the latest algorithm, the the latest projection 
as number 46 in the country. Kind of see that, kind of don't. But when it comes to the, the pecking order of the Big Ten, Nebraska is seen as the eighth team in the league. Numero The Ocho, right? Nebraska in at number eight. And the way things shake out, guess who's number one? It's Ohio State. Penn State in at two. They think Wisconsin's the third best team. Don't disagree there. Iowa comes in at, at four. Indiana's got about everybody back. And they should have been in the New Year's Day six. They got hosed last year. Can Penix stay healthy? He is awesome to watch. He doesn't complete a high number, but he is Got a lot of boom for his buck with uh, the, the big plays he makes. Uh, Northwestern, and you just don't know if you're going to get 9-3 and three Pat Fitzgerald or if you're going to get like 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, or dare I say 3-9. and nine. Northwestern has a 5% chance for the FPI of winning the Big Ten outright, just ahead of Indiana, just ahead of Michigan. When we talk long shot numbers, uh, in at seven is Michigan right now. Michigan still trying to figure out their deal at quarterback. Michigan only has a 2% chance of winning their division. <laughs> My God. The win total for Michigan right at 6.4. They do have a 71% chance of bowl eligibility. Right behind Michigan at number eight is Nebraska. So Nebraska, per the FPI, as we look right now in May, Nebraska a better shot of winning their division right now than Minnesota by about a full percentage. Nebraska has a 4% chance to win the West. However, Nebraska and Scott Frost sit at 54% when it comes to getting to the postseason. Uh, And the, the folks who wrote this up are saying, you know, postseason is a must. That's that's kind of where I'm at. And and you have a, a tough schedule, but you have a doable schedule, and you have a lot of these big dogs coming to Lincoln. I know we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about student section and atmosphere and crowd noise and you know a, a tough place to go try and win a ball game in, and that needs to, to flip around. And I think it can happen. Uh, I mean, Nebraska's home schedule is fantastic. And, and how that's going to happen is is taking care of the football and, and getting quarterback play. And this is a really good article with ESPN.com, and Bill Conley put it. And college football has changed uh, a lot in the last 20 years. And, and think about some of the quarterbacks Nebraska's had the last 20 years, right? You have uh, Heisman winner Eric Crouch. You have Mr. One-Man Band Jamal Lord. Right, you had Zach Taylor in more of a pro-style West Coast offense, and then you shift over to to the year we had Joe Gans, and Joey Gans was just fantastic. And then you get into kind of some boomer bust years, and you you either got great team magic or you got turnover team magic. You you just did, and and he. He went Superman a lot of Saturdays for Nebraska with his legs and with his arm, right? And, and he won some of the games that, air quote, Nebraska is supposed to win in spectacular fashion, and some of the big games didn't go that way. A guy that was underrated, and I know he takes 
some guff still. But uh, Tommy Armstrong was a guy that could go make a play for you and was tough as nails and, and found ways to to get some wins. And was he a was he a a great fit for the Riley offense? No, but man, from an arm standpoint and the weapons, I mean, Tommy let it fly and he was super mobile. He could he could really throw on the run. Had a great arm, and when you'd let him run, was was super dangerous that way. And from from Tommy from Tommy, uh, you go to uh, to to Zach. What was the guy's name? Tanner Lee. Tanner Lee. I was going to go Zach Tanner Lee. And Tanner's kind of your prototypical NFL guy, right? Well, he's spent some time on on practice squads or or throwing uh, in some some private workouts. But but and Tanner Lee had a good arm, good dude, could throw the football. Just didn't didn't work out. A lot of, a lot of empty yards, empty calories, and then you get to Adrian Martinez, and and Adrian has shown some some wow moments for sure with total offense, and when healthy, uh, what he can do as a runner, and when his uh, when his timing's right, that freshman year specifically, what type of threat he was throwing the football in the RPO RPO game, so things have shifted, and all you have to do is is just look at how college football's changed, and the the mindset of of football now is is situational stops defensively, it comes down to possessions, it comes down to how important possessions are because if you get a takeaway that gives your offense and your team one more shot. It's like PlayStation ball, right? Where you're playing Madden and you you want to score before half and you want to get the football at half. That way you can go up theoretically by two scores and your opponent is playing catch up. That's how it feels a lot in college football right now. And, and Alabama ran the football a whopping sixty eight percent of the time in two thousand nine. In two thousand nine, they had Greg McElroy, good quarterback, game manager. Okay, and and things have shifted. And once Bama shifted away from that, don't screw it up, son, and don't fumble the football type quarterback, it has now gone into go get a playmaker like Tua, like Jalen Hurts. And Saban did that because the only time he lost, he lost to Cam Newton uh, and he lost to Johnny Football. Two guys making plays with their legs. And quite frankly, two of the better dual threat quarterbacks that took care of the football. Uh, it's not that they were uh, impervious to turnovers, but they took care of the football. To win in college football, you got to have a great quarterback and just a good enough defense because you've got to win track meet football games. And even in the Big Ten, you've got to win track meet football games because there's going to be a Saturday where an Iowa or Purdue is going to put up 50 on an Ohio State. you got to be able to win the slugfest defensively and be great on the line to scrimmage most Saturdays. But above all, when you see the shift, uh, and, and it started with the Vince Youngs and Cam Newtons and Tim Tebow's and then Clemson with the Deshaun Watsons and Trevor Lawrence's. You know, Nebraska's had a guy for a good portion of the last two decades that can do enough with their arm, but, man, they've been great with their legs. It'll be interesting to see Adrian Martinez this season with, uh, with better wide receiver play with better offensive line, and, and you got to find a couple of running backs, what Adrian can do, right? We saw what Adrian did 
in a great freshman year when he had a guy like Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman. Uh, does does Adrian have a couple of options like that on the roster this year that can be very uh, very dangerous downfield or over the middle? Uh, and Toure could be one of those guys as well. Omar perhaps. Martin, yes. Uh, bets for sure. I mean, you've got you've got the athleticism to do it, and you've got a quarterback that's that's going to be asked to do more than manage, but uh, above all, got to take care of the football. I'm interested to see. You know, because when we talk about quarterback setups, I mean, Minnesota's got a, a returning starter. Indiana's got a returning starter. And and then what? Iowa's got a returning starter. Who else? Not a lot. Not a lot in the league. Uh, you got little Tua, obviously, over in, in Maryland. But you've got experience and knowledge of the league. Mitch Sherman's coming up. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. It were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman. On Twitter's where you find him. Mitch, how you doing? What's your Tuesday been like? Pretty good. Pretty good Tuesday. Could use some sunshine, but I'm not complaining. You are uh, right on with the sunshine part of things. And uh, I want to start off with uh, the Royals and and check in with how you've been coping with uh, Kansas City's uh, 180, my friend. Well, the news that Danny Duffy's going to the injured list doesn't exactly help my uh, state of mind when it comes to the Royals. (laughs) Um, Got a couple wins against Chicago, but... It's been a rough month of May. I can't, uh, I can't deny that. I, you know, we were led astray perhaps a bit by the start in April. Um, started to see some articles about how this team had the magic chemistry of 2014 and 2015, and I think that like just bringing as many of the same players back together as possible six, seven years later doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have the same success so as we saw the other day with with wade davis unable to nail things down in the ninth inning it's a little different here in 2021 i you know i don't think that the season's going to be like this i think the royals can be an improved team over the last couple of years maybe uh maybe be around 500 or slightly worse but uh the future is still okay and uh looking forward to seeing bobby witt junior progress this this summer maybe get a chance to watch him in omaha and and uh, and also some of that young pitching so i'm not not all is lost despite the uh horrendous month of may mitch sherman's with us hail varsity radio mitch uh let's stick with baseball and uh big weekend for nebraska baseball with a couple against indiana mm-hmm. michigan looming uh, nebraska did their job uh taking the the only two they played against northwestern and as you look at projections right now, obviously the 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 home field regional uh, not in reach anymore for Nebraska. The uh, the two seed in in Fayetteville is not an ideal spot for anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, um, you know what's been your impression here of of Bolt Ball and the Huskers here this season? Yeah, the two seed in Fayetteville looks daunting. Uh, Coach Van Horn has got himself a team this year and. They may go into Omaha as the favorite if they 
dodge the potholes along the way, or at least uh, at least a co-favorite with SEC um, fellow heavyweight Vanderbilt. Uh, you want to avoid Fayetteville. You want to avoid the two seed or the three seed in that region. And unfortunately for Nebraska, it, ge- ge- the geography isn't going to help. So, and, and same with the storyline. You know that the selection committee likes those storylines that connect a team or a couple of coaches. And Will Bolt coaching against Dave Van Horn in his first regional, in Bolt's first regional, would be something that would get some notice. And that that uh, is something that we've seen the committee in the past um salivate over a bit so it may come back to bite nebraska and and, but but more what comes back to bite nebraska is that three that three straight loss weekend against rutgers i think if nebraska had won that series it would have it would have gotten a home regional i really think that um but but the, the um the committee could not do that just a week or so after that um, that performance, and it's a learning experience for for Nebraska and Bolt. Unfortunately, guys like Spencer Swellenbach aren't going to be around after this year to take Nebraska to the next level. So you have to hope for some mercy from the committee, maybe a two um, or even a three somewhere else that's more winnable, and uh, and see what you can do. You get hot. Um, definitely like what what they've done and what Will Bolt has built here in a short time. You know, a hallmark of a good coach, you know, even a great coach is somebody who can who can do what they did after that Rutgers series and not allow that thing to torpedo the season because Nebraska came back strong the next weekend, went out, split with Indiana and and, and took two from that same Rutgers team on the road. That's, you know, that's that that's its team that's showing toughness and that's a reflection of their coach and it's something that we've seen Nebraska really over the last 15 years struggle with when things go bad they don't always get up right get right back up off the mat but um they did and that's a credit to uh, those players and to uh into the coaching staff we're really early in the bolt era that said do you see similarities in what will's trying to do or doing and in those first early years with the van horn era as close to nebraska baseball as you've been Oh, my gosh. I mean, the similarities are just like jumping off the page uh, from the way that they build a roster to the mentality that those two guys have around a ball team. You know, I haven't been around Will a lot at Nebraska or really at all over the last couple of years. You haven't nobody's been able to get sure. close to the to the coaches and the players. But I've definitely paid attention and watched. And I know Will enough from the time that he spent coaching in Texas. You know, I, I, got, I got to to see him a few times when A&M came to the college world series and he was on Rob Childress's staff. And as he's gotten older, the similarities with Dave Van Horn have only become more, uh, more notable when Will was a player. And we've probably talked about this before on the show. It was like a mini Van Horn, you know, walking around. It was like, you know, he was in the shadow of his coach, just kind of like trying to make the same movements. And you could see at the time that Will Bolt, was probably going to follow the same career path. And, you know, I think ultimately 
and it's hard to say he's going to have the same success as Dave Van Horn, who's been to a bunch of college world series with, you know, with multiple teams now. And, you know, I think he's going to win a national championship before he retires. Um, that's a, that's a lot to live up to, but Will Bolt has done a great job, a masterful job of following that blueprint and then, you know, and then building it in, in his own way, putting his own stamp on things, his own personality. Um, you know, I, I think he's got a long career ahead of him and, and is going to have um, some of that same kind of success. When we talk about uh, that, that Van Horn blueprint uh, with roster building and development and more so the, the attitude, the bounce back attitude, uh, that that's so key to have a short memory if you have a game go sideways and come back that's that's what's impressed me most about this Nebraska baseball team but the buy-in uh, has been uh, mm-hmm. high level from this squad with Will Bolt and and Will Bolt sounds like he's been managing slash coaching for 30 years every time I hear him talk it's it's a it's a message of consistency and optimism but also the understanding that it, it it is a very detailed situation to be in at this level of baseball and easier said than done Mitch to, to get 18 to 22 year olds or hell even pro ball players to be dialed yeah. in pitch by pitch by pitch yeah you know he's a young head coach at the division one level just just his second year but I, I feel like for as long as I've known Will Bolt and that goes back to I think 1999 when he was a freshman uh, he's been preparing himself to be in this situation. He was like a coach on the diamond as a player, even as a freshman. And I would guess that it extends back even farther than that into his past in in the Houston area as a high school player and as a young player. I mean, he's one of those guys who studied the game and thought about the game on a different level than most players his age all, all the way through the end of his his playing career. There, there are not a lot of guys who can go out and play shortstop in the Big 12 at like five foot nine. I mean, and, and with the kind of athleticism that he had, which w- was not great. It, you know, there's a reason that he didn't, he didn't have a career in pro baseball. It was because, you know, at one point he basically just got out, you know, the athletes were better and there became a time where that was the most important thing. But at the college level to do it at, at a, at a, at a really, really high level. I mean, he was a good, good, very good college player from the beginning of his career. The reason that he was able to do that is because he, he thinks like a coach. He thought like a coach as a player. So this stuff is not new to him. These decisions that he's making, you know, this thought process on how he builds a team and what he says to a team before a game, during a game, after a game, these are all things that have been going through his mind for, for decades. So um, not surprising at all that, that, that he sounds like a veteran. Mitch Sherman's with us. A few more minutes. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Mitch, when we talk about some TV times, uh, I know ABC releasing uh, their September schedule. Auburn and Penn State uh, get the night nod that weekend of Nebraska-Oklahoma, which means Nebraska probably headed to to Fox noon against Mm -hmm. the Sooners. What are your thoughts on that time slot? Yeah, it's their premier slot. I and mean, that's, you know, Fox uh, made that decision a couple of years ago to go to go with that. And, you know, I think it's worked. Um, you know, you, you at first it was like, really, they're going to put the big game at noon. You know, we, we kind of had grown accustomed with ABC and, and, and ESPN and, and even with Fox with the big games in prime time. But, um, you know, Fox has has. Um, you know, they've branded that thing as a big game and, you know, it helped have Urban, Urban Meyer 
on the lead in uh won't won't have that anymore at least for for a year until he tries to get back in no i, th- I think he's going to stick with trevor lawrence and and not get back into broadcasting for at least a couple of years but but uh yeah i mean they've done it they've done a nice job with with that that time slot and it feels like a big game um you know it did last year despite the crowd when nebraska played at ohio state you had it you had that kind of a feel for the big noon kickoff and and we've seen it at, at a few other nebraska games in the big 10 i think if that's the slot that we have in in norman um it's gonna it's going to uh you know have all of the uh ingredients for um you know what nebraska and oklahoma deserve for for the uh 50-year anniversary of the uh the season of the the game of the century mitch what what did nebraska oklahoma mean to you as a kid growing up here uh, a lot of a lot of heart heart heartache a lot of pain um a lot <laughs> you know i was a, a kid uh, either in memorial stadium a couple of times in the 80s or you know definitely watching on tv um when i was you know in in like my kids age now like like uh, a teenager or or younger it was that that was the that was like the the high point of sooner magic and and keith jackson the, the tight end and jamel holloway uh, running the option in Nebraska, you know, not having an answer for Oklahoma and those great defenses, Brian Bosworth. Um, so, yeah, that was that was painful, I suppose, as a Nebraska kid. Um, of course, in my years early in my career as a college student, the uh, the tables were completely flipped and it was Nebraska dominating, and it just felt weird um, when you when that series was lopsided. Um, it was uh, it didn't feel right, even if the team that you grew up cheering for was the one that was winning. I'm a little bit, you know, I, I, I remember a little bit of those early 80s games when Nebraska had the edge, but I was pretty young. I was pretty young then. And, and it's like it just comes to me in little flashes like I can see Turner Gill uh, running the option against OU. But um, more more of the vivid memories are from later in the 80s when when OU was so good. I remember that 80 that 87 game, which was billed as as game of the century two and uh, it did not live up to the uh, to the 71 game and now and now back to hail varsity radio mitch sherman with us the athletic hail varsity radio at mitch sherman on twitter mitch last thought there's been a lot of talk about the student section and uh you know what would be best uh, to, to inject some energy with memorial stadium i think there'll be plenty of energy here for 2021 just you have the home schedule and we've all missed it for a year uh as far as hearing and seeing the crowd uh, my student section days were were fantastic along the the east side and uh, mm-hmm. the, the guys we picked to go get the uh, the student lottery always made it happen <laughs> for block seating and we had a good mm-hmm. time uh w- with you and i know part of your college career you, you covered nebraska football but the times you did spend in, I mean, to me, Memorial Stadium was always pretty intimidating, A, because of the teams that were on the field, but B, the, the I mean, the, the crowd was always full throat, and we've seen instances of that, but what's your uh, what's your take here on, and I guess I, on, on maximum intensity level moving forward with the stadium? Is it, is it going to come down to better performance on the field uh, when it comes to the fans' reaction? Yeah, ultimately it does. It does, but but it's chicken and egg discussion. And I think the the fans can play a role in helping Nebraska get there because, as Bill Moose has said, um, the 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 story of 2021 and and I, I would say future seasons too is going to be written by 
uh, or largely determined by Nebraska's ability to win at home and win those games. Uh, those those toss-up games, those borderline games like Michigan um, perhaps could be next season like Northwestern, mm-hmm. like Iowa. Um, those are the games that Nebraska has to win and it needs its fans right now and, and always to to help win those games. And the students are a big part of that. My, my uh, me like you when I was a freshman and I sat in the stands um, before I you know, went to work full full time yeah. uh, in the press box. And even when I was in high school and came down and, and joined some friends in the student section, it was always on the east side. And I know there were there were. Uh, there were students in the South stands then, but, you know, they had the bad seats and then it, you know, it gradually moved over so that more and more of the student stadium seating was in the South stadium. And then they got higher up in the South stadium and, and you could see where the students lost some of their energy as the, as the years went past when those blocks of seats way up in the top of the, of the South were, were empty. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I, I haven't, thought a ton about it mm-hmm. um but i do think it matters i do think that this you know you go to some stadiums and you see the students down there close to the field closer to the opposing bench and and that is the opposing bench it would seem now in uh in scott frost's vision of memorial stadium at least that's the way he wanted to do it last year was to put the uh the visiting team on the uh on the east side, we'll see if that sticks this year. Um, if it does, even more reason, I think, to have the students closer to the field so they can be heard um, and they can prevent other things from being heard uh, down there on that east sideline, make it a little bit more difficult, a little more intimidating. All that helps. All those little things help. And, you know, I know there's other considerations about the with the amount of money that people are paying, but um, you want to do whatever you can do to to make that a more intimidating venue. And number one on the list is win games and be in close games and get those night intimidating time spots. But uh, in the meantime, the students can play a role. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, good to talk to you, Chris. Thanks. Mitch Sherman, good to hear from him. We uh, rubbed uh, our hands together. Got the Skype machine fired up. So we'll get you a chance just to reset. Phone system has been attacked by uh, Damon Barr and his claw hammer. So you will need to DM. (laughs) DM at at ESPN Lincoln on Twitter. And we'll take the ninth DM uh, for the uh, ESPN uh, Memorial Day kickoff. Your chance to qualify for the grill the gift card to Campbell's, and the gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Uh, We will do that here in about 10 minutes. So a lot talked about there with Mitch. We'll spend a a little bit of time with Rick Kaczynski as well as far as atmosphere and intimidating uh, venues. You know, if I'm going to rank like kind of most memorable or, or formidable like kind of atmospheres at Memorial Stadium. The the 94 Colorado games like always going to be up there, but it's still a, a distant second to the 92 Nebraska Colorado Halloween game. It, it just is where there was blood in the water. But from a from a carnival like atmosphere of let's hammer these guys the the 2014 Miami game. Remember that where where Eric Fowler's the the left tackles like flipping off the crowd, <laughs> flipping flipping off the crowd as as he's kind of walking off 
and that was a shootout ball game. Damon, you've been to a lot of games. You grew up here. You're a little bit younger than me. But, I mean, that Miami game's always... I just remember just not being able to even navigate through some tailgates before that night game. And we're talking some of the tailgate spots below the viaduct, you know, uh, across really underneath the, the, the entrance into, I, I think, 9th Street, right? Where, where you have some RVs or just some uh, some some sweet t- tent setups. But Miami games up there, uh, I think you can look at the... Uh, the the o the o nine the the Sioux Colorado game was was kind of a back and forth that was pretty heavy a lot of the non conference uh, opponents were were great especially when you get them a September uh, night game uh, pounded Missouri was good that was a day game but when 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 uh, Roy went for three bills that was a, that was a pretty high level ball game but at least in the last ten years the the Miami game's tough to top. Yeah, that's really the only one that sticks out in my mind. And I, when I went to a game as a kid, it was like the week one or the week three. The mom and dad left the you at home. Just take them out and leave them there dead on the field. So not really those huge like big game atmospheres I was used to. But yeah, I was gonna say the the Colorado game with Sue and the the Henry, the Henry kick. kick. That's that's the thing that I I would say I mean, kind of sticks those out are, the most. The last three minutes of that game are are like burned into your mind moments, but. That game was like high, high level before it came down to Henry's kick and the, the pick six for Sue, where he slows up to try and step on Dan Hawkins' kid, you know, the quarterback, old Cody Hawkins, trying to make an open field tackle on Sue. That was pretty good. Derek Jeter news to tell you about. And I'm, I'm searching for for Netflix or Apple TV or just another series to watch. So I started watching Ted Lasso and not a huge soccer guy, but you know, I get a kick out of that show. It's really, it's lived up to the, uh, the thumbs up and started rewatching a little bit of the last dance uh, with Jordan and the bulls. And, and that's, that was phenomenal. That was so much fun to talk about last year. Well, uh, Audacity Sports, ESPN is going to do a six-part documentary. The same folks who did The Last Dance, they're doing a six-part series called The Captain on Derek Jeter. That is awesome. Big-time Red Sox guy that I respect and have loved Jeter's style of play and, and what he was all about. Carson was very young when when Jeter was still doing his thing, and and that's Carson's favorite player, that and Aaron Judge, and he wears number two in honor of Jeter. But that's really cool that ESPN is going to have this documentary on Jeter. Six-parter coming up. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, coming up, Jacob Padilla will dive in. Hit some Husker football. Thoughts on some big-time talent, some four- and five-stars that are making their way to Lincoln for official summer visits for Coach Hoiberg and Husker basketball. Maybe a little smidgen of some NBA with Jacob. And then uh, Rick Kaczynski going to be with us. Coach Kaz, our, our Tuesday chats with Kaz. 
Uh, I'd tell you our phone number, but phones are not operational today. So Chris at HaleVarsity.com is the email. And uh, from a Twitter standpoint, give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. And at ESPN Lincoln is where you're going to need to DM your uh, your name and information if you want to qualify right now for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. That is The Grill from uh, Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, the gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, and the gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. So DM us at ESPN Lincoln. And uh, we'll take uh, DMer <laughs> uh, number nine. Number nine is uh, how you get qualified. That giveaway uh, on Friday. And uh, can also log on ESPNLincoln.com and uh, qualify, submit your name that way. Reminder about buckling up, and it's so important to do. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before it become, before more people are killed or injured. So if you're going to drive, don't drink. And if you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll uh, talk to some Jacob Padilla. I'll talk to him about you know who he's buying stock in here, kind of in reference to that FPI with where Nebraska ranks eight in the Big Ten with the latest football power index numbers from ESPN as we head into 2021. Number 46 overall. Who are some teams or some programs? Jacob's keen on who's he selling stock in and and you know what what should the Big Ten pecking order be you know you kind of get outside of your top two or three there with Ohio State Penn State Wisconsin Iowa are your four and uh, is, is there room for some movement so we'll hear that names to, to listen for this summer in Lincoln with with coach Hoiberg of course Going to be a big weekend for Isaac Trout, the uh, the first part of June with his official visit uh, coming to Lincoln there June 4th through the 6th. And then Nebraska has, to, to my count here, a couple of five-star guys, a, a power forward out of Waukee, Iowa, and also a, a five-star point guard, uh, Wiltshire, uh, CJ's brother, uh, Simeon, is, is out, of, out of Jersey. He is uh, going to take an unofficial visit to Lincoln here in the uh, the first part of June. So a lot of names. The, the mayor and Coach uh, Abdel Massey and Doc have been, well, we've been hunting some, some high-star talent, and there's a, a lot of optimism for uh, what's being built with Husker basketball and the mayor. A guy locked into it's Jacob Padilla. Also get his take on how the AAU circuit's going. Hour two on the way. It's Hale Varsity Radio, and we are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Rick Kaczynski's 20 minutes away. We welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Jacob Padilla at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, you got us connected, bud. How are you? Yes. Uh, hopefully, uh, sound good. Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. You look good. You sound good. It, it's it's the way we need to do things. Um, long and short, it's been a, a technical adventure today, uh, but it'll work. We are Skyping Jacob in. That's awesome. And thanks, Jacob, for taking a few minutes and lot, a lot of ground to cover. And I wanted to kind of start off with, uh, with some uh, high school ball and in the AAU circuit. I know there was a showcase over the last weekend in Lincoln and kind of give folks an update with uh, with how things are going, not only with your squad, but just AAU and in the region in general, how how this uh, this 2021 uh, month of May has been uh, for local talent. Yeah, it's fun. It's it, It's been good to get back to a normal type of schedule. Uh, last year, Obviously, everybody is waiting around. We weren't sure if we were going to have it at all. Um, we didn't end up get started until June and running through July and August, which is a very different schedule than what we're used to. So it's been good to be able to get out and have tournaments in the spring, go out and play every weekend, get get some practices in and kind of feel like normal, even if uh, got the mass on everywhere and, and taking precautions and all that. Um, so good to get back to it. And like you said, this weekend down in Lincoln, the kinetic sports complex hosted a um recruit look event and it's they kind of travel all over the midwest and they host showcase events more so than tournaments where there's champions you just kind of they try to match up teams uh to get some good matchups and uh, you just play four games and see how you do uh so this weekend got to see got a chance to see a lot of teams and got a chance to see the the two shoe circuit programs kind of match up uh, at the 17U and 16U level for the first time. And I, I think just based on kind of where the, the talent is, the, those went about as expected. Nebraska Supreme, they've got Isaac Trout from Grand Island, uh, obviously a top 100 recruit. They've got Jason Green now, who has joined them from Miller North, uh, another high major recruit. Obviously, Nebraska's offered both of them. Um, th- those guys are, are teaming up now with some other really good players and uh, OSA played, uh, played against them. They're a little shorthanded, but Josh Dix is coming off an illness, uh, looked pretty good. Um, uh, I think he, he was pretty solid this weekend. So good to see him back on the court from council boss, Abraham Lincoln. He's another, another uh, local area kid that's getting high major interest and in offers. Um, so good to see those kind of teams square off. Uh, Nebraska Supreme got, got the better of that one. And then at the 16 U level, uh, kind of went the opposite way, where OSA pulled away and and got got the win over the 16s, where you've got Josiah Dotsler and Tate Advadi for um, and guys like that, Connor Milliken playing for that OSA team. Um, so it was good to see. We got to got to see a lot of uh, local teams kind of pl- uh, play against each other mm-hmm. and also kind of show themselves against teams from Colorado and Kansas City and. In other areas. Jacob Padilla is with us. HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. And that's that's just a lot of high uh, major uh, level talent you just rattled off uh, <laughs> from the state of Nebraska, Jacob. And, and I want to start with, with the two Nebraska kids. That's Trout. That's Green. And, and I know uh, Isaac has his official visit slated for 
that uh, June 4th through 6th weekend in Lincoln with Coach Hoiberg uh, and also Jason Green a little bit later on in the month of June, his official uh, the 11th through the 13th. And Jason, such a talent for for Millard North and Trout is such a sweet shooter with his size and, and mobility. How do things stand right now, in in your opinion, with Nebraska? And when we get to, to the, the major challengers, you know, has anybody kind of shifted gear uh, into the, the conversation for, for Green, for Trout? And, you know, where's Nebraska stand and, and where are some of the threats? Who are some of the other schools that are, that are major uh, major possibilities for these two kids. Yeah, the fact that they're getting those visits, I think, is a good sign for Nebraska. <laughs> With things opening up, there's going to be a lot of competition for kids' time, and kids are going to have to make decisions about where they want to go when, uh, because this is <laughs> the first time that a lot of these kids are getting a chance to get on campuses anywhere. Uh, with the with their age, their class kind of not starting until shortly before the. Uh, the pandemic hit. So um, June's going to be a huge month for a lot of different teams. Uh, kids are going to be, they're off from AU playing with their high school teams during that month. So there's not going to be coaches out on the road. It's going to be hosting and having those visits. Um, so that's what we're going to see coming up. So it's good to get both those guys on campus during that first month. Um, I think both are going to going to keep giving their best pitch. And um, I think both kids are going to, going to listen to what they have to say. And uh, I, it'll, I think we're going to know a lot more after July hits Mm -hmm. and the live periods start up again, where coaches uh, division one and high major in particular coaches can be in the gym and go these kids play in person for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. That's when we're going to, I think, uh, Things kind of have kind of been in a holding pattern with Jason, I think, for a long time now, um, just because uh, Mocan didn't even have didn't even play late last summer. Mm-hmm. They had a, a um, kind of a team camp showcase type of thing for for their kids, but other than that, Jason just played with Factory for a couple of uh, tournaments locally, um, so he wasn't able to really advance a ton last summer. So this is going to be huge July for him, and then obviously uh, Isaac. I mean, he's got a handful of um, really quality programs coming hard after him. And I'm sure, as we saw with, with Hunter Salas, um, that count will only increase as he gets to play in front of more coaches and um, has a chance to uh, kind of show what he can do. So um, I, I think Nebraska is good to get kind of their foot in the door again, um, kind of reconnect, get those guys on campus here in June before they go off and uh, get a play in these live periods where other coaches will get a chance to see them as well. Jacob Badilla is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, an impressive visit list for Nebraska coming up here in June. Uh, I know Simeon Wiltshire's uh, five-star point guard out of Jersey. He's going to do an unofficial fourth through the sixth in Lincoln. I know his brother transferred in. That's a five-star point guard. And then, Jacob, what what do you know about Omaha Ballou? He's he's out of Waukee, Iowa. He's a power forward. He's 6'8". Again, he'll just be kind of breezing into town around June sixth or so. Uh, love the love the first name, obviously Omaha. <laughs> but uh, you know, both, these are two five five star kids, and, and Nebraska has has a five star that that's incoming. But Nebraska isn't, isn't bashful anymore with uh, not only the connection and the, the name of Hoiberg, right? But just the the fact that they're getting these type of visits has got to be 
kind of impressive. It's not really happened here before, and it's starting to be more of a regular occurrence in Lincoln. Yeah, uh, Nebraska is smart to uh, kind of kill two birds with one stone there with the, the Simeon Welcher visit. It's, uh, parents are moving uh, CJ in, so it's like, well, why, why don't you bring uh, Simeon along to just kind of check out what we have here? Um, so it's kind of a heads-up uh, move there um, mm-hmm. from the family and for Nebraska. Uh, for Omaha, I, I got a chance to see him play uh, this season when Waukee came to Bellevue West, and uh, so, um, Omaha transferred to um, uh, to Waukee this year. He had been at um, – uh, West Des Moines Dowling uh, okay. as a freshman. And so he played with uh, Price Sanford, Price and uh, Peyton Sanford. Peyton's going to, to Iowa. Price is um, playing with the OSA 16s, Adidas team. And Tucker DeVries, obviously, who's going to play for his dad at Drake. So mm-hmm. got a chance. That, that was a really talented team. Um, and he played well against Bubby West. Um, although uh, William Kyle III, um, who is going to be a senior at Bubby West this year, he's playing on that that Nebraska Supreme team as well. Um, he, he held his own as well. He had some impressive plays in that game, particularly in the fourth quarter. But it was, it was fun to see those guys battle back and forth. And uh, Blue is kind of a, a big guy who um, is kind of working hard on the perimeter skills. He's got a good frame to continue adding strength and continue growing. Um, he can shoot it a little bit. He can handle it quite a bit. I think he sees himself more as a wing than a big. Um, so and, and he's playing with Mokan Elite this year. Mm-hmm. Um, EYBL team down in, uh, that's where Jason Green used to play for. So, um, he's going to have every, every, every program in the country is going to get a chance to see him play. Um, and he's going to have a heck of a lot of offers by the time he gets done. So he's only a 2023 kid. Um, still got some time, uh, to go with him, but, um, he, he's going to be, uh, it's good to get guys like that on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, just whether official, unofficial, um, no matter kind of how serious you, you take your shot, show them what you've got and see what happens down the road. Jacob, when, when if you were to kind of rank needs and wants from a board standpoint, who are the, who are the top three or four kids you think Nebraska wants for this 2023 core class? Ooh, uh, it's probably way, I think for 2023, it's way too early to have any kind of board. Okay. 2022 uh, then. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a little bit uh, um, easier. Uh, yeah, because with with the transfer portal here, it's gonna the boards I think are gonna reset every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think obviously uh, Trout is uh, right at the top of there. Um, they're gonna kind of try to hang in that one as long as they can and see see what happens there. Um, uh, let's see here. Just take just taking a look uh, look at a list real mm-hmm. quick That's here. Fine. Um, so he locally, he's um, one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is Green in yeah, the it, top three to you, or, uh, or or is he just kind of in the conversation? As good as he is, man, he's fantastic. Is he is he more of a name for us because we're in state? I think it's a little bit of that. In like I said, for him, mm-hmm. July is going to be big. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a chance to go out and play on the uh, Under Armour circuit against other high major kids and show what he can do. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, a lot of people, a lot of coaches are still kind of waiting to see, all right, what is he going to be? Because okay. Jason is, he's a kid that he's kind of a tweener size wise and skill wise. He does a lot of things pretty well, 
there isn't any one thing I don't think that he that, that he's elite at. So it's kind of like, all right, what is he going to be at the next level? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of what Jason needs to do now is kind of show, all right, how, what part of your game is going to translate? What are you going to be at the next level? He, he's really good defensively, heads up, he's long, um, active defensively. Um, so yeah, I, I think he'll be solid on that part. He'll be able to guard threes, fours, whatever. Um, but offensively, um, how, how's, how's the ball handling going to come along? How's the shooting going to come along? Uh, how's the finishing going to continue to come along? Um, that's going to be the key for him. Uh, Nebraska has obviously been on him in a long time. Uh, they've continued to watch his progress. Um, and I think they still like him. He's just going to have to prove that, Hey, um, you, you need to make me a priority. Um, obviously they've already got blaze Kata committed for, um, as the center in that class. Um, so with the young bigs on the uh, on the team already, mm-hmm. and w- with Kata in the fold, um, I don't think they'll be too active uh, for centers. So you're looking at perimeter players, um, and maybe uh, a, guy, a guy like Green or Trout as kind of that that combo forward type. Jay, I'm going to switch gears, talk a little football for a second, and EF, ESPN's got uh, kind of the, their latest version of FPI and. Nebraska football comes in at number forty-six and uh, eighth in the in the Big Ten. How's that grab you? Nebraska as the the number eight spot in the Big Ten. Too high, too low, just right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably decent. Um, it's Nebraska just has so much to prove. Uh, obviously, they've got the, um, all those guys on defense coming back, but it wasn't like Nebraska was an elite defense last year. You're hoping that they can make the leap to kind of the top third, <clears throat> excuse me, top third at least uh, in the conference. Um, so that's kind of what you're hoping for is w- with the returning, you're able to take another step forward under Eric Chenander and put yourself uh, in a chance to where you can really compete and, and win some games. Offensively, it's just such a wild card with so many unknowns at receiver and at running back where you feel good about some of the pieces, but we felt good in the past as well and got in as recently as last year and things didn't really pan out. So um, I, I think it's probably smart to kind of take a measured approach and kind of be a little wait and see mode with Nebraska. They've got the pieces. If things work out well, if they can cut out so many of the little things that cost them so dearly last season, They've got a chance to make a leap. Obviously, the schedule is going to be tough, so that uh, I think that's factoring into that as well. Um, but a lot of it's going to come down to Martinez, his receivers, and how quickly that offensive line gels, I think. I think you're right on. Uh, I think the, the leap is, is hopeful for a lot of Nebraska fans. Uh, they could finish way better than eighth uh, in the league. But the teams in front of them have proven Michigan not really, but Michigan more times than not, uh, with Harbaugh been decent enough to 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 beat the teams they're supposed to beat within their own division. I'm anxious to see what happens with Indiana, uh, with with their uh, talent level coming back. Uh, they they are now pretty well respected after their uh, their their season last year. So. We'll see where they go. Jacob, this was fun to get caught up and talk some uh, some hoops and some football. Thanks for making time and joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad we could make up uh, make it work with the technological situation you got going on. Over well, I appreciate the the old Skype uh, bat line to you. So we'll uh, we'll do this again. You take care and have a good week. Same to you. All right, Jacob Badilla with us. Good to hear from him. Uh, that's a good rundown there on Trout and Green. 
two in-state kids. Nebraska's all over. Rick Kaczynski's on the way. More football thoughts. Hail Varsity continues. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time for our Tuesday chat with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski, coach at Nebraska and Iowa with us. Kaz, what's up? How are you? Hey, brother. Thanks for having me on again. Just uh, just the norm. Just uh, a lot of work, a lot of baseball, a lot of track. So uh, I guess it's better than a lot of snow. So Man. we'll take it. Can't <laughs> complain, but just... Uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's about it, brother. How about yourself? It was uh, it was not a winning weekend on the diamond, but uh, that guy that I knew that knew how to cork bats uh, worked out well for Junior. <laughs> as uh, he, Junior's uh, hands clean, <laughs> they are, man. But, hands are clean, baby. But, but the that's bat, right. but the bat worked. He he hit well. We got to work <laughs> on uh, we got to work on our, our control issues. Uh, hey, just tell him keep keep his mouth shut, and never rat on your friends. Should be all right. That's right. Little Ray Liotta. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of of gangster flicks, I, I got in my brother's kitchen a little bit about about the fact he'd never seen Goodfellas. So I hope he's corrected that. Was it, is, does he live in the United States of America? I know it's Are you on. Me? It's like on every other channel, and and this is a couple of couple of weeks ago but Kaz- a Thanksgiving tradition with me and Victor we've been doing it since he's been five I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding kind of kind no of. kind of I mean it's it, it's on it's on but uh it wasn't like he was invited that's uh that's a that's a, a, a sticky wicket with the the old parenting where you think you're alone and you're watching a flick you want to watch and uh and and the, the little one wonders upon it and I got nailed by my wife because I was watching the movie Ted, you know, the the, the family yeah. guy creator. And and I didn't know Junior had just got done, you know, cleaning his room and he's at the top of the stairs and he's well, he's watching Flash Gordon uh do the knife trick. So uh we go out to dinner and he asked my wife, Hey, let me see your hand he didn't do anything. There was no uh there was no piercing but she's like, where did you learn that knife trick? And like, oh, Daddy, let me watch Ted, which is not completely the truth. But, yeah, that was, that was oh, one yeah, instance. Probably, yeah, you know, unless there's a witness, it's not going to hold up in court. So <laughs> so there's, uh, there's definitely benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, I'm not, not, a, not a fan of, like, uh, I guess there's some funny parts of that. But I just no, I, I, kinda, I, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough one. That's a tough you're one like, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we will move on from Kaz's movie yeah. reviews. Uh, <laughs> but on, on a serious note, uh, last week there was an amendment with uh, within state gambling for Nebraska. And, and there's going to be casino expansion. You're going to have games beyond Keno, obviously, with some of the different tracks that are going to be uh, put to use around the state of Nebraska sports gambling is going to move forward, but uh, patrons will not be able to bet on Nebraska uh, when Nebraska is playing in, in Lincoln. Uh, so there's been some outcry for that. On a serious note with that, Kaz, was that something you remember being talked about as a player and also talking to kids about as a, as a coach, the kind of the dangers of gambling? And I, and I throw this out there because of, 
uh, you know, Michael Franzese, uh, former Colombo guy that, that we both know of. And and just the fact that it, it had been kind of his bread and butter, one of many you know illegal bread and butters for him. But the the topic of gambling with college athletes it w- was that a fear for coaches uh, when when you're trying to keep your eyes on 150 kids? Well, that's right. I, I don't think so much in football, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, one guy can. I promise you, I coached a bunch of guys that could that could screw things up pretty good and you know i was pretty good every once in a while at screwing things up pretty good myself but it's really difficult to be honest with you never even thought about it was never even an issue um didn't even think about it as a coach Mm -hmm. um as a player uh actually had a guy kevin pendergast that actually uh, gotten, I don't want to say, I'm not quite sure. I can't, I don't want to say it, uh, uh, cause I'm kind of speaking out of mm-hmm. tongue here, but, uh, you know, he was, he was involved with, I think that Northwestern stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, that's the only thing that really, really came up. Never, never worried about it. Never thought about it. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you covered it. Mm-hmm. You know, with your players, you had compliance come in. They always did a pretty good job like that. But, mm-hmm. man, I, I think most of the guys, especially at the ages you're recruiting these guys, they don't even know how to bet. They wouldn't even know how to mm-hmm. how to, how to to get involved with it. I think a lot of times you, you, you have guys that uh, these people target that already have chinks in the armor. Sure. Um, but I think football is a really, really difficult, difficult sport to – to get to a kid in my opinion Mm -hmm. where he could actually alter a game and you know unless it's a stud quarterback or something like Mm -hmm. that and 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 let's be honest being these great players um you're not gonna if if they start throwing games i think it's obvious in this day and age with social media and just the way word travels i think would be very Mm -hmm. difficult to to infiltrate that which is which is which is good, but you know, quite frankly, I mean, heck, man, maybe for about twenty minutes in preseason, you thought about it, and uh, when compliance was in front of your guys talking about it, and then after that, just never became an issue. And and, and you know, quite frankly, you, you know, you, you keep your nose to the ground. You get a lot of information. I used to tell my guys all the time. I'm like, guys, you'd be amazed at who I know, how many people know me, how many people know you guys that you don't know. Uh, I go, I don't, I don't, I don't look for information that comes across our desk. So just be careful out there. And, and, and that was the honest to God truth. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd get emails, I'd get phone calls. Hey, so, hey, and, and most of it, not, not most of it, I would say all of it was from people looking to help a kid saying, Hey, listen, I saw this kid with this person. Mm-hmm. I know, hey, you're not from Lincoln. This guy's kind of shady. I just kind of hate, just tell him to kind of stick, right? Hey, I saw this person in this neighborhood. I saw this person late. It was, you know, he was at this bar. He was at mm-hmm. this club. And, you know, that ain't a college place. You want to stay the hell away. You know, so so most of it was people, people helping you. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think, man, I think it's really hard for, for um you know, to, to infiltrate and, and have one person really have that much of a major impact on a, uh, on a football game. Cause quite, cause really what you do, what do you, you pull them? Somebody's playing that bad. They ain't gonna last long. They're not going to have the opportunity to, uh, to affect the game that much. So, you know, that's my, my humble opinion there. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail varsity radio. I'm, I'm trying to remember 
the the whole Northwestern fiasco? Did it did it involve a kicker and and? I think it was. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was. It was. It was tied into the hoops. Oh, oh okay. If I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah, I don't think it was the football pro. I think it was some player. Like I said, I'd have to. Well, and I'd, I'd have to Google yeah. that, brother. But but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I'd have to do some research back on it. That, that tells you how much of an impact it had on my life. Well, that's important. that's no, that's fine. <laughs> that's that's good to hear that uh, it wasn't uh, an issue. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Kaz, uh, you you played center and you played with some good quarterbacks in college. And your job was to rattle quarterbacks on the defensive line, getting your guys after them. Let's talk about that fine line with uh, with quarterback play, the the playmaker versus the the risk taker, and it, you just don't have a lot of quarterbacks anymore. Even look at Bama, right? Bama went from kind of the game manager to I, I need a dude like Tua. To, to go make plays on the run or a guy like Hertz, right? So even Saban kind of went away from uh, a, a guy that was very solid. I mean, he's had championship quarterbacks, but he went to more of a, a guy that could make plays with his legs, not just his arm. And uh, that, uh, that fine line, uh, I, I can just imagine as an offensive coach uh, wanting to, to force it to try and make something happen, but uh, you don't want it. You don't want it to go the other way and, and have a turnover and, and have a sudden change in a tight moment in a ball game. What's that uh, like uh, in, in a locker room as a, as a part of a staff where you've got a guy that can just do phenomenal things, but man, you, you, there's a little bit of worry there every time he may release the football. Well, I, I think I think part of part of all the teams that I was a part of as a coach and a player. Um, you know, we had some turnover issues at inopportune times, mm-hmm. but it wasn't consistently an issue. And, and when I was coaching, you just put out the fire. I mean, Norm Park used to say, you're the fire, you're the fireman. Um, and well, fire people, mm-hmm. sorry. That's don't, all good. I mean, to offend anybody there, but you know, go put out the fire, man. And that was it. So you never really worried about that. Um, you know, if you have a team that's kind of pointing fingers at the other side of the ball, then, you know, you, you're not going to have a very successful team. You know, as a player, um, you know, I preferred guys that uh, just kind of I knew where they were going to be. You know, sometimes those guys with those legs, uh, you know, they can make a, a good blocker look really bad. Um, not setting up the block, you, you know, looking to run before they're getting through the reads, things like that. So I was fortunate as a player to – to not have to uh, to not have to worry about a guy back there that was just a, a gunslinger and, and not really sure what what was going to end up and make a play this and that. The, the game now, Schmitty, the possessions are so important. Possessions are so critical, especially in the Big Ten. Um, you're not going to get that many possessions, especially when you get into late October, November. So anybody who turns the football over, you, you can't you can't win with and you can't play with. Um, you know, if you look at Alabama, you know, those guys, they don't ask those quarterbacks to run. They just ask those guys to make plays with their with their legs when they when they have to. Mm-hmm. And the great ones, what they can do and, and why they're so dangerous is, 
you know, they still got their eyes up when they're running, and then they can make you look stupid. They can still see the whole field. They can still get to their reads. They can still threaten you uh, with their arm and their leg while, you know, with their arm while they're running. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's critical where, you know, if you could clone a guy, um, what, you, what you want a guy that, that can make plays when he has to, but not ask, not ask him to all the time. Um, and a guy that can throw on the run, that has a strong enough arm to throw on the run. But also, he, he is a threat because as a defensive coach, man, you know, I have to rush differently. I have to be completely sound in my lanes. We have to talk. I have to know the coverages. I have to know if we're in man. There's a certain way we rush. I have to know if we're in a cover two match. There's a certain way we rush. When, when you're when you're playing a guy, obviously there's not many to us. But when I look back on these these quarterbacks, Juice Williams um, at Illinois, when you look at Shoelace at Michigan, it was a completely different game plan for those guys. But you know they couldn't throw the ball as well. What you were worried about was with them hurting you with with their legs. And uh, we were fortunate that we didn't allow those guys to to do it. More with Kaz coming up. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More with Rick Kaczynski talking, trying to D up that mobile quarterback. Just demoralizes the defense. It demoralizes the, your, your back seven. When they're Ding guys up and a, and a D lineman gets selfish and crosses the ball, creates a three-by-one, and creates a, a throwing window or a scramble window for these quarterbacks. Listen, I, and I heard Urban, he was talking with Dockage, and he was talking about no different than Ohio State and the NFL. He said, you take the best, you take the best player available. And that's it. And, and I think and when you're looking at a quarterback, you take the best ones available. Now, some of them are going to be able to hurt you a little bit more with their legs. Some are going to hurt you a little bit more with their arms. But if you take the best player, you're going to have an opportunity to win games with those guys. A couple of quarterbacks that, that kind of wow me and uh, loved watching him. Baltimore and I mean, one of Heisman at Louisville's Lamar Jackson. He's one of those guys that seems run first, but he's done a wonderful job throwing the ball at the next level. And man, he would just wear out defenses on the run either with his legs or keeping his head up and then when when Russell Wilson went to Wisconsin I mean that's just perfect case in point of a program that had had really good quarterbacks that were more managers and man they get their shot in the arm with Russell who can turn the corner and then scramble or, or just take off for 40 yards but he's not running on every play and you'd even see some some zone reads sprinkled in with Seattle a few years back with Pete Carroll and company. But both those guys, Kaz, are, are two examples I think of here in the last 10, 12 years that uh, just make it a nightmare for defenses. And, and you got to like mush rush, don't you? You just got to contain them. Yeah, it's it's that's the, that's the hard part. Uh, about it because you still got to get pressure on, especially on a on a guy that that can throw like a Russell Wilson. You know that's the hard part because if you if you you still got to be aggressive in your rush, but you got to be you got to be sound, which is easier said than done when when you're blocking. You know, five on four, but also you game plan with coverages. You know, there's things you can do to 
you know, to keep the, the back seven's eyes on that quarterback too, you know, um, matching routes and, and things of that nature. But, you know, you, you're playing those dudes. And if you play man coverage and he gets past the front four, you know, he's chasing – they're chasing those, – those two guys are chasing you into the end zone. But, you know, those are two – you know, they're, they're, they're NFL guys. You know, they're, they're two of the best football players in the – in the world mm-hmm. so uh, yeah man you know not only, that's what I always laughed about when you know you give up a couple yards and the head coach screaming at you over the headsets or you know or, or the fans are like oh you know these guys go up to the NFL and they do it to the best defenders in the world so you know what you got to do is is just kind of contain them where you don't give up that big big play mm-hmm. you know I mean they're gonna make plays I mean great players are gonna get play. you just can't let them consistently you know go down the field uh, with with their legs and you know once you get up to the NFL you want to stay there so they ain't quite as fired up about getting hit as they uh, as, as they were in college so it's Jack. a little bit little bit different game up there Rick Kaczynski is with us. Kaz, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we're, there's a lot of talk here about uh, the student section and, and Memorial Stadium becoming more intimidating. That that will happen when Nebraska's better at, at home. And I know you were part of a couple of seasons where you didn't lose at home in Lincoln, and you also had unbeaten home seasons in, in, in uh, Iowa City as well. Is that like just something fans and media hit on as far as uh, the air quote intimidating environment going into at night? Or do you believe that's a real thing, either as a player or as a coach? Anything stick out in your time where you're, you're going into a place and it's just a hornet's nest? Well, Ohio State, Ohio State's um, probably the toughest place that I've ever had to coach and play in. It's just constant it's just it's just loud and uh, it, you know the the intimidating part I, I don't know if anything's intimidating because the people are in the stands but you yeah. know they make it hard i mean the communication's hard when you know i'm playing center and i can't hear the quarterback that's a tough deal you know when when you can't hear the cadence and then you're holding hands now your tackles a uh, half a second uh, slower than mm-hmm. you would be at home, but you got a first-round defensive end coming off the edge. You know, it's it's those type of things. Um, you know, never been afraid to play a play. Actually, actually embrace that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that's and there's in the challenges silencing those crowds, and uh, that's the great thing. Was involved with a, a few great ball games there. Um, but you know what I always said it's it's not on the it's on the team it's not on the fans um, you know and I've heard some of the chatter about mm-hmm. you know making Nebraska well the team's got to do that mm-hmm. the staff's got to do that that's not on the fans Nebraska is one of the loudest stadiums I've ever been in and um, and had some great moments in there and um, you know uh, going back to 2012 I mean shoot that Wisconsin game it was piercing piercing when they fumbled and we locked up the game after that comeback uh, you know the pen there was a couple plays in that Penn State game got a safety on my buddy Matt McGoin <laughs> and uh, you know the place went nuts I think they disliked him as much as I did so <laughs> it was uh, that was you know there's just and then running out of the tunnel just those sounds but you know uh, what's more intimidating is the guys on the field mm-hmm. um 
you know, it, it, you can't separate the two. If you got a good football team, you can't you can't ask more of the crowd and the fans if you're not giving them. So you got to you got to give them something. And you know, fortunately, that my whole time at Nebraska, going in November, we were still playing for something. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think we kept the crowd engaged, and the crowd was engaged. You know, in that Miami game. Just the you know the rivalry, the hatred. Uh, you know, obviously it's it's not 1994 anymore. It's not the the 90s Nebraska and, and hey, you know, and not the 90s um, uh, Miami Hurricanes. But you know, still some scar tissue there. And I mean, and that place was that place was rocking, man. That place was rocking. And I don't care where you put the student section. You can put them behind the bench. You can put them in the end zone. They're going to be loud if you give them something mm-hmm. um, to be loud about. And and you know, a lot of these places, it's it's not just about it's not just about winning. It's about the product you put out on the field. You know, those students are looking down on the field as those guys represent. Same thing with the fans. You know, they represent you. So, uh, so you know, you start winning games. You start playing for things in late October and November. You got a chance, you know, a, that crowd will get back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't put that on the crowd. Don't give me game day. You know, you can't play different types of music and all that. That, that doesn't get the crowd going. You know, making plays at winning games. And mm-hmm. you get an opportunity. Nebraska's got a great stadium with a lot of history mm-hmm. and obviously a rabid fan base. So, let's – you know, let's win some games and that place will get jacked up again. So it's one of the loudest stadiums. You know, I was, I, I had the privilege of being an opponent there and being on the home sideline and, um, you know, being a GA in the SEC for three years, coaching in the big 10, um, for a long time, not long enough. I mean, there's not, and then, and then as a player, very, 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 very few stadiums that, that I haven't been in mm-hmm. um, in the Power Five. And, you know, Nebraska's Nebraska's top three loudest mm-hmm. I've, I've ever been in by far. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Kaz, we'll do this again, man. It was fun to chat. Thanks for, uh, for the time, and we'll do some more movie reviews. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. It, yeah, the next one I'll give you a little once upon a time in America. Great, a little slow, a little slow, but it's a good one. The guys appreciate not, it. Not a, all right, buddy. Thank you, Schmitty. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time of Tuesday? Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Damon, are we going to meet at midnight and... Take a shot and burn our mask. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, man, I cannot wait for Friday. It's going to be a blast. Thank you. Greed is good. We, we've heard greed say, you know, greed is good from Mr. Gordon back in the uh, famous movie Wall Street. But green is better, right? So yeehaw there. Uh, also better is makeup baseball in the Big Ten, and Illinois beating Indiana three to two. Uh, Indiana now a game and a half behind Nebraska, which is nice. Nebraska big weekend of ball, a couple with the Hoosiers, and then uh, Michigan is looming. So 
Uh, we'll spend some time on it. Mike Babcock with us tomorrow. We'll talk to Shuey and then uh, college football insider uh, Brad Edwards. He's been doing a book, and it's it's a book about the, the Bama title run, and, and there's a lot of Nebraska parallels. And you've seen the, the social media earlier this week with Coach Saban talking about his uh, interaction with uh, Tom Osborne where Nebraska trounced Sparty. And T.O. putting his arm around St. Nick and said, well, you're not as bad as you think you are. <laughs> we're pretty good. But, yeah, those were, uh, those were some, some teams, man. Not only the Bama had, but, of course, Nebraska had. Big thanks to Rick Kaczynski. He's always awesome to chat with uh, when it comes to the mobile quarterback. Do you have a guy back there or do you have a dude, right, playing quarterback? The atmosphere and the, the fan section and the – the energy that that crowd can bring. And Kaz has seen a lot of football and continues to be wowed by the atmosphere he was a part of at Memorial Stadium. Mitch Sherman, awesome stuff with him on uh, some Nebraska football and some Husker baseball. Check the podcast out, Hale Varsity Radio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Tell us what you think. Subscribe to it and uh, keep on hitting the on-demand portion of ESPN, Lincoln.com for Hale Varsity. Morning Hookup. Also check out uh, Hooksy and, and uh, Willie J uh, in the morning. So uh, take us with when it's convenient for you or check us out live wherever you hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network or uh, for sure check us out on the uh, the podcast and a great selection of podcast choices with Herdat Media as well where uh, you can get caught up with Greg Smith, uh, Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla, uh, Brandon Vogel, Derek Peterson, Aaron Sorensen. Uh, great stuff. Uh, you can uh, make your ears smile, so to speak, uh, every day during the week. Damon, what's for dinner? What's for drink tonight? Uh, we're uh, heading out, uh, all me and my former roommates celebrating, heading out to some Mexican restaurant and bars afterwards. Uh-huh. You are going taco time tonight, and then you're having a... Well, you're having a drink or several. Yeah, it, it seems, like. seems like a, a margarita-filled night for. Are you a bar. blended or rocks guy? I like it. Well, it depends kind of on depends. the margarita. Depends on the margarita. Uh, strawberry blended. Anything <laughs> else on the rocks? Salt or sugar? Sugar. Okay. So you got to go. <laughs> try it with salt. It'll be life changing. <laughs> Good enough. All right, back at you tomorrow, four o'clock with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and uh, enjoy.